Welcome back to the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This week, we welcome writer Dakota Brown to the podcast to discuss his comics, Death Comes for the Toymaker, as well as Grandma Tilly's Helltech Mech, and so much more. Before you listen to this episode, though, be sure to go over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky and follow us, as well as listen, rate, review, all those things over on Apple, Spotify, and all your major podcasting platforms. This episode is Dakota Brand, writer of Death Comes for the Toymaker at Scout Comics and Grandma Tilly's Helltech Mech over at Band of Bards. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. How are you, Dakota? Doing well. How are you on this fine Tuesday? Uh, hopefully that doesn't giveaway that this might not be live if it's yes no it's not, it's it's not. Oh, okay <laughs> it is raining and cold and i live in maine and it's uh oh, okay. it's like borderline ready for its first snow which is crazy because oh, nice. we were in shorts and a t-shirt on saturday uh outside with my son running around like it was no tomorrow yeah. like just beautiful and then it dropped to like 40 degrees the next day <laughs> now it's just crap yeah. so we're into the winter oh, it's <laughs> I bu- I completely understand. It's uh, Chattanooga Falls. Um, yeah. I-, I guess just like ubiquitous to the South in general. It's going to be you know the forties and thirties in the morning, but it's in the eighties by the time you're you know coming home after a day of work. It's it's unpredictable. Well, it's predictable in that it's uh, not predictable. It's just it's yes. it's not easy to plan your day around. Well, one of my favorite seasons in Maine is the fall, and I feel like we just yeah. skipped it. <laughs> it was oh, like, yeah. oh, here, here we go. You know, here's this, uh, you know, beautiful day. We we carved pumpkins with my son and my best friend at their house with the garage door open. It was beautiful, and then I'm like, oh, nice. well, the pumpkins are going to survive because they're going to be frozen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your, your carved pumpkins are going to be able to be there until December because of the fact that they're actually not going to decay in in, in the uh, heat. But yeah, it, it's been a it's been an interesting weather weekend into today. So um but no it's nice I'm, I'm excited to talk comics that's what i you know one of those yeah. things that it's been a really shitty week in maine <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm so and sorry so, and it's just like you know it's nice to just be able to escape the real world and talk about something that's not actually in the real world which is oh well, i guess God. the comic i guess the comics themselves are in the real world but yeah uh the the, the comic stories are not right, uh, but yeah. right, right. um so Obviously, it's the first time you've been on uh, to Capes and Tights podcast to chat comics. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Dakota. Like, how did did you get? Uh, obviously, you have a big turtles love. If anybody follows you on Instagram and oh, things yeah. like that, you do love the Ninja Turtles. Um, were you a comic book fan since young, or is this something you came into as a teenager? How, how did you get into reading comic books in the first place? Well, it, there's been kind of an ebb and flow throughout my life. Some of the earliest uh, comics were the uh, the Turtles Archie's comics. The uh, um, you know, the, the cash register um, collections. They have those little digest versions. Every Archie does it, but they even did it with the Ninja Turtles line. So um, it was an early way to fall in love with um, the Turtles in a different way that wasn't the TV show and the uh, the toys, which I already loved. Um, but that's where I met, like, the Mutanimals, where you get, like, Mondo Gecko, Ray Filet, the whole... Um, the B cast that you don't really mm-hmm. see so much in the show, even like Casey Jones, you don't really see in the show necessarily. Um, but uh, yeah, on and off, my dad was a, a Marvel reader. Um, my first comic was a reprint of uh, Marvel team up annual number six, which I have hanging on my wall. It is 
Marvel Tales, Marvel Tales featuring Spider-Man issue 247, and it uh, uh it went to 248 too since it was an annual, but uh, it's like Spider-Man, Cloak and Dagger, the New Mutants. It's like this quintessential early 80s team up, um, which is a little bit before my time. It was uh, mm. that was 83, I think the original print was, um, but somehow that came into my possession. Became obsessed with Cloak and Dagger because of that. Um. <laughs> Fell off for a few years, but then came back like in college, right around like House of Bim and Civil War, like the big crossovers that Marvel really brought me back in. And there was like this from like uh, Avengers disassembled into, I think, probably around Secret Invasion. There was just like a uh, the original Secret Invasion, obviously. Yeah. Um, and there was like this like long run of crossovers where it was like, hey, every every few months, here's this new crossover series for you to like catch up on the Marvel do that uh trying my hardest to you know keep up with it throughout uh all the major uh world rebuildings and crossovers both with marvel and dc uh sometimes it gets you know you always kind of reset to one so i i feel like I don't really miss anything if you miss too much mm-hmm. um and they're doing a lot of good work with uh um keeping the uh you know, keeping the characters baseline. You yeah. know, there might be some changes along the line. Um, you know, you might have like a secret empire where you have this Hydra version of Captain America, but you know a few months from now you're going to have Steve Rogers back yeah. or yeah. Uh, in his role as Captain America or some other uh, similar role. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's yeah. That's, that's I, my gl- comics history. <laughs> I'm glad you talked about Secret Invasion and Civil War in that era of comics because I feel like obviously we have in comic book industry there is a terminology mm. for golden age and things like that. But like to me, the quote unquote yeah. golden age of comic books, especially in the Marvel industry, Marvel side of things, was that that era of Civil War, Secret Invasion, House of M, all that stuff there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm part of a book club at my local comic book shop, and we read graphic novels or trade paperbacks every month and. When we have a new member, we're always like, how did you get into comics? And it's so funny how many people either like broke into comics in that day and age or fell off of comics and came back to them in that. It was like at that period of time, I felt like Marvel could write the playbook on how to do a crossover. I feel like Mm -hmm. more recently they've they've figured out a way to to not do it so well, not badly, but just like not as good as that was. Some of it had to do with creators and the writers they had on their Mm -hmm. roster at the time. Um, But yeah, it was just kind of funny how many people were like, oh my God, that's what I fell in love with Marvel was the crossovers. And then they try to get them into it now. They're like, nope, I'm all set. I'm going to go to the indie route. And I'm like, yeah, I can can understand where you're coming from (laughs) on that because that was to me like the epitome in my lifetime at 37 years old of Marvel Comics, those that that day and age. I think so too. I think, and, and I think they're trying to chase that rabbit still. Uh, obviously, with um, you know, they have they uh, Civil War two, and then they yeah. had a new Secret Invasion, a new Secret Wars. They, they're you know taking that that branding and trying to bring it back. Um, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not a huge fan of having like, if I want to say, hey, you should read Secret Wars. Usually, I mean yeah. the original you know 70s series. Yes. Um, but there's Secret Wars, there's Secret Wars, and then there's Secret yeah. War in the middle that Brian Michael Bendis like painted. I think it's Gabriel Dodo. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, and Ryan Michael Bendis. That's just gorgeous and uh, kind of has the exact same plot as Civil War Two, honestly, yeah. with uh, preventative <laughs> measures and and uh, and whatnot. Um, 
but uh yeah i i'm a sucker for a good crossover and yeah. if it's a uh, and it, if it's like resetting the universe that's always kind of fun too because it feels like you're you know back at the beginning in a lot of mm -hmm. ways um and i feel like maybe they might be doing that too much not they being just the industry in general not one publisher yeah. um so many issue ones <laughs> but yes. i get it i completely understand why and it, it was a lot of titles in those things like you know secret uh, civil war all had these titles there's like so many different like massive amounts of comics but i felt like they all made sense whereas i feel like nowadays with some of the big two they're like oh this book we want this book to be good well so let's put it into the story of the main story arc crossover that's going on yeah. even if it had nothing to do with what's going on it's like they're just forcing uh some character into a story to make it so that their book connects to it so hopefully it sells copies of the book that's where i feel like yeah. back into the you know early not say early 2000s but like 2008 2009 right around there it was like you no know, all the stories made sense they went together and they created some things like front lines is one of my favorite comic mm -hmm. books because like it oh, got yeah. a different perspective of things nowadays it's like i don't know there was like Thor comic books in absolute carnage. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> but I guess. Yeah. And, and kind of the inverse too, you'll see characters pop up in the major crossovers to have this, uh, this moment. Yeah. Like uh, I'm reading secret empire again yeah. and uh, mosaic shows up as a, like a big uh, moment that like saves the, the, the rebels essentially and gets his plan forward. But um, kind of had this limited run of comics and i don't know if he's really been used since at least not in that big a way but it really uh, it, i love it though because it kind of dates it in a way it really tells you um who this character was at this time what they were pushing and what you know might have worked might not have worked uh even mm -hmm. like infinity gauntlet uh there's a lot of a lot of quasar um yes. and there's not a lot of quasar anymore um but it yeah it's it it's wonderful just to see what they're trying and see again what might work what might not work um but that's i think that's the fun of it there's no yes it yes. never feels too gratuitous i guess no um it's just i just uh, feel like some of those that... creators also with some of these characters you mentioned like quasar for example like someone whoever mm -hmm. you know the creators behind the project are like we really like this character so we want to use this yeah. character is that cool marvel it's like our friends over at off panel, if David Harper was in charge of things, he'd be like putting Stiltman in something, even if it didn't fit because Stiltman's like his favorite character of all time. And it's like, I feel like if you had the ability, if someone handed you the reins, okay, you're going to write Captain, uh, Captain America now, Dakota, yeah. you and your favorite character, some random character, you probably would try to find a way to put that character in your books. So you're like, I don't know how many different stories from Captain America I'm yeah. going to be able to tell or, or Marvel books in general. So if I'm going to have this opportunity, let me toss as many of the characters that I want to write about in this book and see if it flies and then sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't yeah at least one issue would be captain america featuring the amazing slapstick definitely <laughs> well that was i think we, we had pat noswell on with, with uh, uh jordan bloom and they were talking about their their modok head games yeah. modok series, oh, and TV series and they wanted to like put a bunch of different characters in there and uh mm -hmm. they're like well you can use these you can't use these and it was like starting to like put in their mind like why can't i use these characters you have plans mm -hmm. for these random ass characters in the future some of it's just because of rights yeah. and all that stuff obviously but um they wanted to do a series their minor threat series they wanted to do it originally with like at dc and they wanted to use a bunch of like okay side character dc characters mm -hmm. um but 
actually they called it c-list characters they were all going to be characters that started with c which was really also kind of funny like <laughs> they're like oh yeah a c-list but also c-list um but they realized that all their dc's probably ever going to do is like okay when can we put the joker in it when can we put batman in it and they're like no yeah. that's not what we want to do we want to do something with all the side characters and and not have any big characters in it and they ended up creating minor threats over at dark horse instead and using made-up character or their own made-up characters instead. Oh, interesting i didn't know that yeah, so it was just pretty cool because I like that a little bit more. Because again, I do think that's what would happen. You'd see like maybe a five issue story arc, and then the sixth mm. issue was like Captain America's here, and it's like, wait, yeah, you don't need Captain America in this book. It was doing well on its own, <laughs> but yeah, and, uh, and I get it. I get that uh, that like narrative synergy where yes, um, it's a, comics is an industry where the the businesses you're selling the cover, you're not selling the panels. Nine times out of ten, these books are going to be you know wrapped on the shelves um and if you don't know the character or the story you've got to have some kind of um cover that really pulls in somebody like even um i'm a huge sandman fan uh and they did a great marketing job uh with it in the dc comics at the time and dave mckean's covers are so beautiful but it doesn't really tell you what is inside <laughs> these comics so i always think about like what if you know um you know, late 80s DC comics didn't advertise Sandman as it was. If you just saw these covers on the shelves, and I don't know if it would have done so well, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or without the name of, you know, Neil Gaiman and uh, Dave McKean on them, obviously. Well, sometimes Uh, it does a better job. It doesn't matter. You could literally write the most random comic book at all. Neil Gaiman wrote this. I'll pick it up then. I'll see what it's like. (laughs) Oh, I've done it. Yeah, I'll do it every time too. (laughs) It's um, like it's like yeah, a it's, Stephen King Stephen King novels now to a big novels for any novel. It's like the name of the book is like this fine print at the bottom, but the name Stephen King mm-hmm. is like this massive thing. It's gonna be the next phase and be like oh, Neil Gaiman, and it's gonna say like, or like whatever whoever uh whoever it may be, but maybe this massive name, and then it's like okay, it's a Superman book or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it would probably work. It probably work very well. <laughs> yeah, that, I, even as a, a I I don't do any art myself, but even as a writer. Uh, um most of these anything i pitch isn't pitchable in my mind until um and even like pitchable to an artist until there's like a cover idea in mind or there's something like a title that would sell it um and that's just i I think that's just the state of the business for better or worse um maybe it is i'm an artist i'm a graphic design graphic designer by trade and one of those things that that i my main job is designing beer can labels for a brewery. And so as much as I love the liquid of the beer that's in the cans, yeah. I will say, and I always tell, I, you know, tease my head brewer and one of the owners that like the people likely pick this can off the shelf at the store because of what my artwork was not because yeah. obviously they can't taste it yet. And it said, it sucks that we always got taught as growing up. Don't judge a book by its cover. But like, that's literally what we do in the comic yeah. industry and the beer industry and in most industries, you literally look at something and go, that's probably cool. And then I'll pick it up and read it and so on and yeah. so forth. Like, I go to the... a... Oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I was at the bookstore this weekend with my wife and I was like looking at the covers before I even looked at the description of the book. I'm like, no, I don't want to read that one. The book could be absolutely <laughs> unbelievable, but the cover wasn't selling me on it. And I was like, next one. Yeah. And so that's the difference. Like you wouldn't, you can't really, at most places, you're not going to flip the book open and there's not going to be a synopsis or, or a solicitation mm-hmm. of what the book comic is in a comic book shop. You know, it's just you have to kind of like interpret what the story is going to be about by the cover. Yeah, yeah, I, I know a few. Um, I know Vault does that. Band of yeah. Bars does that, where you can flip to the back, mm-hmm. um, and see a synopsis. But and you know, you know, fingers crossed that it's bagged and not bored, so you can actually mm-hmm. 
see that. Um, unfortunately, with Band of Arts, they also have a, a, a slip cover on it that um, retailers don't always remove. It's a protective cover that for shipping. <laughs> it's not like a, um, um, a sketch cover or anything like yeah. that. It's just a protective white yeah. sleeve. So a lot of times you'll you'll know what a Band of Arts book is on a on a shelf because uh, there's just a white sleeve on it and you can't tell what it is inside. And uh, that's been a fun battle, <laughs> finding that at retailers and saying, "Hey, can we remove this?" Uh, uh, white the sleeve? Just be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's even instructions on it to remove. Um, but yeah, those synopses. I it's a it's kind of a new thing in comics, honestly, because mm -hmm. I mean the back was usually reserved for um, some kind of advertisement, and, yeah. uh, whether internally or externally. Um, but having those available, uh, kind of turns like the physical stores into uh what you kind of feel online too because mm -hmm. online you know previous world or if you're going to your your favorite online retailer or direct from the publisher which is the new direct market honestly mm -hmm. um you get those synopses and you see exactly what's going on in that issue um but i'm starting to see that more and more like i said with vault and band of Arts, yes. and hopefully they kind of follow suit because that's uh kind of beneficial um especially with all these variant covers you never you, you'll especially with like you know marvel is notorious for it for having yes. a um a variant cover that features a character that has nothing to do with the, the show I mean, the, the whole spider-man series that this whole i i've had this like argument in my lcs yeah. multiple times that they're doing like it's a mickey mouse disney variant of spider-man but they put iron man yeah as the and it not not like in uh, Amazing Spider Man as the like you could put it in the Invincible Iron Man font if you wanted to and just write Amazing yeah. Spider Man people would still like okay with that but it literally says Invincible Iron Man it's got a picture of like Mickey Mouse dressed as Iron Man but it's on Amazing Spider Man number thirty five and I'm yeah. like how is that even helpful to anybody <laughs> yeah I don't know I and I don't I don't know who the audience for is is for that necessarily like if it was like Mickey as Spider Man I completely yes. get it but like even like Iron Man fans too you know, I mean, is it Iron I, Man fan only, I guess? Like, I don't know. But, like, if I was an Iron Man fan, I'd probably still be interested in the fact that, like, I'm a big Scotty Young fan and I'm yeah. a big Walking oh, Dead yeah. fan. And he and he just released the Walking Dead 20th anniversary um, variant of of I Hate Fairyland, which has got Michonne on it. But really, it's not Michonne. It's, like, his own take on it. Yeah. But, like, that to me, it said I Hate Fairyland. It didn't say Walking Dead on it. So as a Walking Dead fan, I probably still would buy this because it was an homage to mm. a Walking Dead comic book. It doesn't have to say Walking Dead. That's the thing. I was like, I don't know like where that could disconnect. Someone was like, no, we need to do this with Invincible Iron Man on the front of it. It was weird. Um, but yeah, yeah the synopsis like, I, I, it helps always, a lot. It does, yeah. And I wonder often if like um, there's just a backlog of covers that have to legally be used and like, here's a slot for it. We'll insert it here. That, that's a bit cynical on my part, but I <laughs> It's it's just so it's odd, but yeah, synopses are fantastic. Um, but some people don't I mean, like them, though. Honestly, some people I, don't I like the that. the fact that they know a little bit more too much about the book itself. Like they'd rather just pick it up. But I'm also like, then just don't yeah. read it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like one of those things that no one's forcing <laughs> you to read the synopsis of the book that's being there. So just read it and go into it blind. That's awesome. I'm more apt to the idea of like going to previous world or like you said. A publisher or your, your your local comic book shop's website and reading it so i have an idea when i open the first page of what i'm going to expect yeah. in some sorts like it's like you know like twists and turns don't always land the same way if you don't know what the book was pitched to you as a certain way so like if you didn't know you know spider-man was going to do this that and the other thing and he ends up doing something else it's like 
Well, I did, wasn't expecting that anyway because I didn't know what the book was about. So there is that. I can also see that, like, you know, people not wanting to read it in a Spider-Man book because you kind of have an idea already of who Spider-Man is and all that stuff. But like some of these independent books, mm -hmm. I need to know what's going on yeah. in this book in general. And again, you know, a lot of covers. You know, I could think that with Death Comes for the Toy Maker, like you kind of understand what the heck's going to go on. At least you show the two main characters on the cover, uh, so it's like there's yeah. that <laughs> aspect of it. So there's no, you know. What you're going to expect on the inside of it but before we get into that really quickly so what made you yeah. want to write comic books we we kind of dropped off and started talking about other things before we finished up your whole like origin story but like <laughs> what made you decide to actually put pen to paper and want to write comics uh well i had um i come from a theater background okay. uh both uh training uh, as an actor and as a writer um had some plays published and produced uh and had a lot of fun with it, and it's, it's still something I'm very passionate about. Um, it's a, um, like it's it's a bit of a soul wrenching um, business theater, um, because if you're not writing, you know, the next big musical, the next thing that you know is going to go on tour, um, it's it's difficult to maintain that lifestyle financially, even with a secondary job. Um, because the hours of like being involved in the uh, uh, rehearsal process, if it's a local production um, or just workshopping it with, with actors can be pretty, uh, pretty grueling. Um, but mm -hmm. it, again, it's something I'm still very passionate about, but it's a, a process I wanted to kind of take a break for, from a while. Uh, and my wife discovered that Frederator Studios, the animation studio that did like Chalk Zone, Fairly Odd Parents, and, and recently Castlevania, um, and Adventure Time, all, just a litany of uh, fantastic cartoons uh, that they had an open pitch policy, um, and I always wanted to write wanted to write for animation. So I got some things together uh, and started pitching to them. And over the years, uh, ended up at uh, Nickelodeon, Disney, uh, Cartoon Network, and a few other places pitching uh, animated series um, through you know various uh, writer strikes and. Mm -hmm. shifts of executives which is uh you, you think it's crazy in the in the comic industry with uh, executive <laughs> shifts but um having to uh update my rolodex my proverbial rolodex yeah, it's just it's just my email um <laughs> for like animation executives it's always it's always interesting um always have to introduce yourself again and again um but because of that i ended up having this um this catalog of ips ready to pitch most of which were um uh, like for ages seven to eleven which kind mm -hmm. of isn't a thing in comics but um after you know a few years of pitching the animation seeing so much turnaround and so much um lack of pulling in new creators uh right now especially with networks it's a mm -hmm. um existing catalog uh grindhouse kind of you know we have rugrats let's do a new rugrats we have mm -hmm. Uh, these legacy characters let's do something new with them uh, which completely understandable and that's honestly where uh, a lot of audience will come from yeah. will just come from the past um, so I started looking looking into comics but because issue by issue comics for like ages 7 to 11 really isn't that uh, prevalent at, at the moment really just graphic novels like scholastic mm -hmm your dogmans and your uh uh mayor good boy and the like yeah. um I, I wanted to get into the you know the monthly issue by issue so 
the, the first thing I looked at was like, hey, how do we, you know, ha at least create a cover that somebody would want to buy first as a, a, a publisher, because I'm not great at the uh, the Indiegogos and the Kickstarter situations. Yeah. <laughs> um, and second, that an audience would want to see on, uh, would want to, you know, readers would want to buy off the shelves. So I was thumbing through just public domain characters um, and started developing this this Santa Claus versus death pitch that ended up spiraling into something that was like more akin to American gods with all these um, multiple religions and deities. Yeah. Um, but I eventually like uh, I brought it down and uh, condensed it so that the only, you know, um, exploration of uh, the deities was going to be this Babylonian pantheon um, because it felt one, that's where I wanted the creation myth that's involved in the story to come from. Um, and two, there's kind of a lack of representation in these really fascinating pantheon of gods. Um, so it was, it was a learning process throughout. And it, it started as this, um, again, there's the Santa Claus versus death, but ended up being a retelling and direct sequel of the Epic of Gilgamesh because of that, um, that has this, uh, 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 it was it was just a very unexpected uh, narrative at the end of the day. Yeah, um, that was going to be like this two or three issue series, but I couldn't get it less than six issues. So uh, here we are with the six issue series. Um, issue one is out, and the the full trade paperback is coming out in March because we're skipping issues two through six. I was gonna say that was the question I had at some point when we were talking about, but like it, it's mm -hmm. it's a it's a cool thing in my because the funny thing is I think that this actual model itself like if people like full on plan to do this for like mm -hmm. everything would actually somewhat work because it gives like it almost gives issue one as a pseudo ash can or preview yeah. of the series it also those people who are addicted to number ones uh you know i mean like the idea of collecting like so many people go out there and buy the number one issue and they don't even think about buying number two they just want that yeah. number one and an independent comic book that in the hopes that it's picked up or optioned or whatever you might want to think of and but then a lot of people are like wait okay oh i like the series i'm gonna wait till the trade comes out and then you're not wasting the time the energy and the money by putting in single issues out through two through six you're just like fine buy issue one if you like it you can see the trade coming out coming out in march 2024 i like i said i'm a single issue guy like i am yeah. I, we talked online i think about the idea of where, where is the rest of this book when's it coming out and mm -hmm. you mentioned that it's going into trade and that i would like to have issues two through six on my shelf however i also have a more extensive now trade paperback shelves so i can i can add it to my collection still yeah. but i do like that model in the sense that it gave it kind of an ash can preview. Like I, I know my LCS yeah. owner will be buying the trade for stock on his shelf because you had this issue come out and he liked it. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of the. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a litany of reasons. Obviously, one financially, it's a it's, yes, it's a it's a better investment um, for the publisher for Scout. Um, and you know, at first I was a little concerned because in my mind, you, you hear like issues two through six aren't going to shelves. That means there's like less profit in my hands. Why did I make these? But at the end of the day, you never know how those are going to go. Um, I have a habit of buying issues one, issues two and three maybe, and then falling yeah. off. Mm -hmm. Either I didn't go to the comic book store or it just slipped my mind or issues one, two are on my read, read pile for too long and I just, it, it slipped my mind. Um, but this kind of guarantees that like if, if issue one was enough to pull you in, hey, here's a whole series and it's ready to go. Um, 
in trade format. Uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to be, um, you know, collected because we didn't have covers for because you know yeah. we found out it was going to be uh, done as a trade immediately after issue one. We don't have you know covers necessarily for issues two through six, even though there are some, but they aren't official. Um, but it's going to be um, yeah, all 124 pages. Um, I think that's the count. Uh, collected at once. It's it's interesting to have this like uh, almost this barren desert feel of the rest of the issues, and then suddenly here's this oasis of water that is you know the full series coming out. Uh, that's how it feels like to me as you know waiting, waiting, and waiting. Um, yes. But honestly, it's it's not been a long wait by any means because it's this the, it's the program is called nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's issue one in July, um, and I think there's been some. Uh, just the state of the industry with you know paper yeah. costs and the whatnot. It was a little bit longer than the typical uh, nonstop release schedule, but um, yeah, we'll be able to solicit in January, maybe even late December to get a kind of a holiday feel to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm excited to get the whole thing in in people's hands because you know issue one reads like its own thing, I think, but the, yeah. the rest of the series is kind of it really does feel like a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, like most comics, it's designed to have a last page that makes you go, ooh, I gotta read the next issue immediately. Um, as long as the pages keep turning, that's the that's the goal. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, I mentioned the Ashcan part of it or the idea that it's like you get a preview towards it. It's one of the things that the toss-ups people have that I've talked to about single issues versus trade or graphic novel. And one of them was like the longevity of marketing on a single issue mm. is longer. So like it builds up to that trade. So like, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so like when you have like six issues that you could have had six months per se of, of marketing a book. And then a couple of months later you had the trade come out, you have an entire, but I still think this could work the same way. Whereas mm. we're talking about it now. I know other people yeah. have talked about it. It's getting to that Christmas season. And my buddy, Paul, who owns Galactic Comics in Bangor, Maine, had mentioned about like what are we going to read because we read a holiday book uh, or trying to read a holiday book around the season to like this we're reading naughty list um, yeah um, uh, over there at, at aftershock but um, and then like James Tinian has his book coming out called the Deviant around holiday mm-hmm. season and then there's, but my personal thought was oh this is perfect it comes out in March it means we can plan reading Death Comes with the Toymaker for next November uh in our thing because it's coming out plenty in advance you can get copies in we can get them in our hands we can read them so on and so forth sometimes it's like for the holiday season and like december 1st the book's like the first issue comes in i'm like well that doesn't give you much (laughs) it gives you the ability to read an issue of a book that's a holiday book but it doesn't give you much to actually get into the actual season you're reading the entire bulk thing in you know march which is okay because i like christmas and i like holidays so (laughs) that's not a problem with me but this is a pseudo it's a christmas story but or a holiday story but not really in the sense that it's more of a underlying story to it in in that sense so it's like it doesn't have to be read during christmas <laughs> oh yeah and that, and that was yeah. um, um it, it was an unintentional uh perk i guess of it that yeah. uh, uh it, it ends up being like i said this the sequel to the epic of gilgamesh where yeah there's this backdrop of um this holiday which in this universe is called Ea's day after the god Ea who saved humanity from the great flood um and it's you know takes place essentially over the course of one year from one Ea's day to the next um but in that same sense that 
is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas yes. movie? Um, th- this is, a, it, I mean, it very much, I guess, is uh, an Ia's Day book because the, yeah. you know the the title character is the toy maker. He's the yeah. uh, he's the Santa Claus of that universe. So it very much is. But um, I mean, I I guarantee you, between like issues two and five, it's probably kind of a forgotten thing. Yeah. Um, because it's this you know big mythic quest with um beasts of hell and chimeras and gods that you know have been forgotten by most modern standards unfortunately um leading to this incredible battle that just happens to be um around this holiday um so yeah it's it hopefully it feels like it can be read year round in that yeah. sense but at the same time you know it's it's nice to think uh, of somebody saying, you know, let's let's cozy up to the fire with some hot cocoa and some death comes for the toy maker. <laughs> exactly. Let's see how see that works. I mean, like I said, and you know, I've bought Christmas presents for people to our holiday, you know, presents for people in in April and just held on to oh, it yeah. too. So so however when you purchase this book, it's beneficial to Dakota and the team to purchase it. So like if you get it in March and you give it to someone for Christmas next year, it's a long way to wait. But like just <laughs> <laughs> just just purchase it when it comes out. No, um. So is Ryan Cody doing all the artwork for a whole thing? I mean, obviously, so before we get into that, actually, I want to say is Joe Picardo is one of my favorite horror uh, and and comic book artists that are out there right now. Uh, Joe finished uh, the recount for our buddy Jonathan Hedrick. uh, The past couple, like the last issue or two was like he did Mm -hmm. the the last pages. And he also did Nightwalkers more recently with with, with, uh, Cullen Bunn over at Sourcepoint. And Joe is an unbelievable artist. So having Joe as the cover of number one was absolutely uh, outstanding as well. But ryan doing the interiors ryan cody is that is he doing the rest of them too yeah so um uh from pitch to um seeing it in previous world all art was done by ryan okay um cover and you know every single panel beginning to end both uh uh line and inks and colors um and uh the day that it dropped in previous world I had trouble finding the comic, uh, and then suddenly I see this uh, this cover from Joe Bracado that I have not I had I had seen, but I didn't know it was going to be the A cover. <laughs> uh, so things got shifted around at Scout, and uh, uh, I wasn't made aware, but uh, and not in a bad way. It was just a surprise. Yeah. Um, I see this cover from uh, Joe, and then the B cover from Marco Fontanelli, which is also just yes. gorgeous. Um, and uh, it. it I'm sure they've been selling copies. Uh, Ryan's got a cover as well. That's yes. the uh, the Scout Headquarters exclusive. So you can buy it in stores in Florida, mm-hmm. but it's also online, um, which was part of the original pitch package. Um, but yeah, Scout uh, had some big dreams with the variant covers. Um, we've got uh, Heather Antos, from, who's the, an mm-hmm. editor at IDW. She's yep. on uh, uh, our web store exclusive cover. That's mm-hmm. just this really cool close up on death with a, a little 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 bitty yes. toy maker in the eye um and then uh, a, a a few secret whatnot exclusive covers um that i i think i can announce because i've seen them on ebay at least uh one is a variant of uh, heather's uh, cover and the other is a um uh a very heavy metal cover by uh hugo petrus mm-hmm. um which again, it's not been officially announced, but there is a copy on eBay. So somebody has won it in a whatnot auction. So it's live and it's out there. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I guess I mean, if you but it, if you Google 
whatnot, what comes to the Toymaker, it the first thing comes up is the Hugo Petrus cover. So okay. it's like it is yeah. uh, it is searchable. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. So I I, I don't think I'm uh, I'm wrong for yeah. uh, announcing it. Um but yeah, the covers have been um uh, fantastic. Um everybody has their favorites. Um mm. I have a hard time choosing because they're all uh my sweet babies. Um but, I, don't know yeah, I, like, I don't know if I don't know if I like the Heather Antus one better that's black and white or the ones in color. Yeah, is it, is it, so the uh, the original one is probably my favorite because it's. Um, yeah. I, I try to look at it as a. Um, it pops off a shelf. That yellow, yeah, it does. That, yes, it does. Yeah, really vibrant yellow. It makes you look at it. Um, but of course, the the whatnot cover isn't going to be in yeah. stores. It's going to be just on yeah. the whatnot. So and there's a a metal version of that one and a metal version of Hugo's that are. Um, there are 15 copies of each floating around. I have one of each, and I, I think some people have won them in the whatnot auctions, um, which I've I've tried to uh, you know get in on and be involved. But man, they go fast. Yeah, um, I, I can imagine. It's a, it's a it, it's something that I'm not very familiar with the the whole live auction situation. Yes. But you know, Scout has a huge fan base for that. Yeah, and some um, people just like that's what they do. It's like they're just their whatnot is just what they like. It's how they just make their money. I, I just, I yeah. just don't. To me, it's like I can't. I don't have the mental capacity to even like. I had. I was my buddy uh, Joseph Schmalky was at the local com- comic convention in uh, uh, the thirteenth to the fifteenth of October, and he was doing a live whatnot at the convention during a lull, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go screw with them. I'm gonna get on my phone. I'm gonna send them to whatnot. I'm like I have the app in there. I'm like, now what do I do? <laughs> like, how do I find him? I'm like, wow, I'm 37, and I felt like I was 106 there trying to figure out how to use my, my phone for the first time. Uh, but I ended up giving up. I was like, no, I'm done. I'm moving on. <laughs> but whatnot yeah. is cool in that sense. Like, some people have that ability to just, like, cash in. And the exclusives and stuff like that is really cool, too. I think that's a cool market that we didn't see coming yeah. when whatnot was actually first started. Yeah, and there's a, there's a big focus on it. Um, I, I think the last time I joined one, uh, I was doing it through mobile and um, – they said, "Oh, and, and the creator Dakota Brown is here. Let's, let's say hi, Dakota." And I couldn't figure out how how to say hi. I I think I could type it, but I I doubt there was a way for me to go. They through, couldn't uh, see you, but you were going hi, hi, <laughs> hello. Can, can you not hello. hear me? Hi. <laughs> Activate speech. <laughs> Siri, tell tell what not hi. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that I mentioned how much I like joe's cover and stuff like that that it technically really wasn't so like wasn't the ideal or the original uh you know pitch for the cover for, for issue first issue um but like i said that's cool to me and it's one of those things that if i didn't yeah. if i didn't see so i saw that i i'm pretty good at reading my previews catalog and talking to my lcs because mm-hmm. i'm usually one of the ones that sometimes where it's not the obscure things it's some of like the just outside of what his normal customers might order. Yeah. So a lot of times I get a comic, but it's like literally they, they go through their orders that week and they're like, who ordered this? And it's usually just because I order it by my, like, I'm like, can you get me a copy of that book? And but both of us got the advanced uh, uh, email from Scout, I believe, because I get the emails for some reason if I wanted to do a variant cover. I get like the oh. variant program they have email. And then there's a little click, a small button towards the bottom that says, read the entire story ahead of time so you can like decide whether oh, nice. you want to do a variant and so did he so we read the book and we're like oh my gosh we're really excited about we had this book coming out and so on and so forth and then i saw the joe picard thing so like to me it still probably would have sold me on the fact that i love joe's artwork so much that i would have been oh, like yeah. okay i could pick this book up uh you know i haven't 
seen or, or, or experienced much of Ryan's work. So it may not have done the mm. same thing. So at least one customer potentially would have bought in your book or did buy your book based on the fact that that cover was number eight, letter A. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was thrilled to see it. It was just a, uh, a bit of a surprise. I probably missed an email somewhere along the way. And it, it does sell the book with, you mm. know, this really uh, driving action, which mm. a lot of people have told me looks like almost a, like they're like it's like a dance fight they're fighting but yeah. it almost looks like this choreographed dance almost um which kind of goes well with the uh, uh you know the history of the characters once you yeah. really get into the story um because they you know they've been fighting for a while but before that they were much dearer friends in a, in a yeah. previous version of themselves I, I like the French the, the 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 battle of people who obviously who who were at one point friends and had this this agreement and so on and so forth. But I also love the the take on the fact that if you do see this as a holiday book or a holiday mm-hmm. story, that it's not like people see holiday stories as happiness and joyful and, and families coming together and all this other stuff. But this is more not completely over the top dark. Uh, you know, like a rare exports uh, yeah. style or or those kind of movies or Krampus or anything like that. But it's like in the middle. So there's like obviously someone's trying to be happy. And in, mm-hmm. in, in, but in the same sense, there's this darkness and death that that's involved in it. The, the character death, obviously, but I mean like yeah. physical actual death. Um that's like puts it in that middle, puts it in that like, oh, this is kind of a cool story that doesn't really sit with any other story that I've seen on the market right now, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of just pathos in general. And that's yeah. I think probably just from a theater background um but you know going through the the history of these characters and as they existed in babylonian times um and how to who they are now mm-hmm. um the the clear through line was yes they're you know one character is being forced to do something he doesn't want to do yes there's still souls for death yeah um every you know every e is day and it's you know grading and destroying his own soul um but at this at the crux of this is a it's a story about friendship it's a, it's a story about lost opportunities and like simple choices that um forced those lost opportunities honestly it's mm-hmm. a it's a story about friendship and things unsaid and the simplicity of uh you know some of these problems we have internally with our with our peers that could but it could that probably could just be solved with some some dialogue yes, um, conversation. But <laughs> do that do end up uh leading to you know uh giant wars with hell beasts and yeah. <laughs> and the like um so yeah there's 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 a lot of that, that um those the soft tender moments but also these big yes. epic battles that hopefully um are a good juxtaposition to one another yes. um, throughout the series. Um, and we, like I said, we see stuff, uh, we see a retelling of the Epic of Gil- Gilgamesh and some other Babylonian stories, um, starting with issue two and going forward. Um, but it's, it's this big back and forth. It's a, like the cover, a, a dance between mm-hmm. uh, death and Gil, the toy maker. Um, and seeing where, where it leads them in their relationship and how it led them there. Um, hopefully it feels balanced. I think it does, <laughs> but it's a, it, it, it's a lot of heavy feelings for a, 
a goofy comic about a Santa Claus analog character. Yes, yes. Well, I do like the fact that, you know, I wrote in my notes here too, that like the fact that it's, you used public domain-esque type characters like Santa Claus mm-hmm. and death and things like that, but that was using them specifically as who they, you know, it's not like you pulled Snow White in and used Snow White as Snow White. You, yeah. you, you, you use a different variation of the same story in a sense um because i think it also might it might have probably sold issue ones for you in the sense that someone just sees this cover and sees it's a you know toy maker and they automatically mm-hmm. think santa claus and they see that you know death as a character and you automatically think you know death and this this idea of like grim probably sold really well with the fact that there was a reaper on the front of it and, and you know yeah. in that book you know people are like oh i know that character i want to i want to deal with that character um, but you didn't actually use like, like you didn't use like Santa Claus. Like the person's name is not Santa Claus, which is really mm-hmm. kind of cool. I got I'm reading a uh, Mave Fly right now by C.J. Lee, the the novel. Uh, it's a okay. uh, horror novel uh, that just came out this year. But um, the characters she she writes in the book that there's these this woman works at the happiest place in the world. And then you just you, obviously you started working this in your mind that yeah. she works at she works at Disney World or Disneyland, and uh, but she can't use like she the character she plays at in the park is Elsa, but she can't say mm-hmm. Elsa because Elsa isn't in the public domain. But she, all, she but she says characters that are in the public domain that 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 Disney uses as characters so that you can kind of like mix the two together and understand. Awesome. Now you go okay, this is Disney, so they say Snow White and they say Cinderella. But they're not mm-hmm. actually because they can say those ones, but they couldn't say Elsa. Yeah. So they're like, oh, this white blonde with a snowman as a friend or something like that. So you kind of could get the whole thing. And I was like, I appreciate that. Maybe you wanted to continue yeah. reading because it's like now you're putting me in a position where I know what you're talking about. But then you're taking me out of that and putting it in a different story. Same thing with this. Like you're giving me the idea that I know who Santa Claus is. He's a toy maker as a character and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and, and, and death as a character. But that it's not specifically them, which helps me now fall into your lore not the lore of santa claus my chair is like, oh that's good to hear yeah it, it's um it, i mean it, it i mean granted it's a very similar uh holiday situation yeah. um but throughout the series we find out you know how he got his um his special bag yes. and that's uh that ties into um you know the story of uh humbaba and the theater forest um we see that he doesn't have his he doesn't have the traditional you know nine reindeer and a sleigh he has instead um a chimera uh, so it's a uh, hopefully there's enough there to really you know scratch that christmas itch but enough to make you realize very different um uh, at least in sense of the universe universe it exists in yeah yes and like I said, like, I've, I've read issue one, so I've obviously had a, only, you know, one-sixth of the story, so it's nice to know that oh. there's more to it, and I'm excited for that because, like I said, I am, I'm i a big fan of issue one. I'm fit out of the artwork. Okay. Your story, your, your, your writing ability is really great, uh, you know, for someone who obviously haven't read anything from you before, uh, so that's really cool to, to have this and, and, and talk about this on the podcast, but you also have another series. I mean, before I finish, we want to move on to the other series really quickly before we wrap up here but uh number one hit in july for this book so you know mm-hmm. hopefully your lcs doesn't have it because that means they sold out of all of them <laughs> but if they don't or if they do grab it on the shelf because is it possible that it got moved to some sort of back issue thing because it's been long enough or check with scout direct because scout usually has some web store exclusive things like that uh, as well and i'm gonna say check with scout in your lcs first and then go to ebay and things like that because a lot of times you can get what they're selling on eBay for three or four times the price 
on someone's like direct website. So just like, right. I always want to give the forewarning to people. I've, I've, I've been on, I've talked to uh, uh, Charles Soule and Ryan Brown about um, 8 billion genies. And someone was like buying a hundred dollar copies of signed copies of them that you could buy on Ryan Brown's website for 20 bucks. Oh, I'm like, wow. you just go to the artist. Like the artist has his own copies and he's going to make that money off of it. Not, not some guy on eBay, yeah, nothing yeah. against eBay, but I'm just saying it's kind of funny on that. So check your LCS because it's a possibility they have a, a B cover or, or some random issues. Oh. I don't even, it's possible you can still get it too. I don't know if they can still order it or not, but, um, but yeah. I, I think to an extent, I, I know you can through Scout and yeah. uh, I think Scout can ship directly through LCS as well LCS, yeah. if, there's enough, uh, um, if there's enough of an order, um, but maybe not, they might just do it on their own too. Yep, yeah, do it on, and like I said, or... We, I don't think Dakota would be pissed at you if you just waited for the trade to come out because as long as you buy the trade, then you're happy to because buy the trade. Um, hence the trade comes out in March, so you check that out. But you have Grandma Tilly's Helltech Mech, is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> over at over at Banda Bards. I've heard really good things about Banda Bards. Uh, I'll tell you that thing right there. Oh, yeah. uh, so I'm glad it landed up there because that's a that's a pretty good people over there right now. Um, but give a little synopsis on what that or a little elevator pitch on what 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 Grandma Tilly's is all about. Yeah, so uh, Grandma Tilly's Helltech Mech is a three-issue series uh, out from Band of Bards. The first issue came out in September. Uh, issue two is November 1st, and uh, issue three is December 20th. Um, but it is about a gaming granny who breaks her controller in a fit of rage, um, calls a, a, a rideshare, which is called Scooper in her world, um, her world being Earth, but just a different version of Earth, um, but before her ride gets there, this giant metal mech-like thing comes down and lands at her yard. She thinks it's her ride. She crawls in. It ends up being this uh, giant fleshy mech from a hell dimension that just shoots her into this adventure into space. Um, she thinks it's a, a fun video game because she can plug her controller right in and uh, pilot it as if it was some kind of weird interactive video game. Um, but she's actually uh, doing some horrible things and she doesn't realize it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, uh, you know, it's funny it's like that you mentioned not knowing what you're doing. It almost sounds like a, a small part of war games where they're playing the game online. Oh, yeah. and they don't realize they're actually starting, like they're actually like arming nuclear weapons and they don't know that but yeah that's pretty funny was this i pitched one of those ones that you had that was like in the in the hopper and you just pitched it as a comic book instead of an yeah, animated show yeah, it, it was um for a while it was it was it was a like a five minute short that doesn't have the like the uh the hell dimension aspect to it yeah. it had more of like just a, a space fare to it It was called the uh, five star scooper bot because scooper was the uh the uber of that world um but then when i started like building my my um spec package portfolio it became a donald duck short called the last ride sharer uh as a reference to the last starfighter because it has that like last starfighter vibe uh, but then i got with lane lloyd who's the artist on this and also the co-creator um and while this script did exist for a long time before i got with lane i got with lane and they uh sent it in a direction i couldn't have done on my own with this weird fleshy hell goop that's throughout the entire series uh, Lane has this style unlike anyone else's in comics right now. It's just like stretch and squish style, almost like a, you can see it animated on the page almost. You can see it like stretch and squish and mm -hmm. um, it has that like early, you know, Fleischer animation or early, uh, early Disney too. Um, but it's, it's the only thing like it in comics right now. 
Um, and I was so lucky to get with him before, you know, this big exclusive contract comes our way because it's, it's, it's coming. I guarantee you, um, there's going to be some weird stuff either at a uh, image DC or Marvel from lane. And I, I, I am so excited about it. Um, but yeah, we worked together to create this, uh, new version of the universe that involves this hell dimension, um, this interdimensional, uh, task force that's made up of scientists and government officials. Um, it's, it doesn't have the pathos of death comes mm-hmm. from the toy maker in the best of ways and that it's just a fun weird sci-fi horror romp uh we're kind of billing it as uh return of the living dead meets uh last starfighter honestly it just it's got that weird horror humor and uh maturity with its uh grotesqueness but it's also just got a lot of hopefully fast-paced forward moving fun um that drives you through you know all three issues um hopefully enough to you know see some more grandma tilly in the future too who knows yes, exactly right yeah so the, the first issue debuted in, on uh, september 27th and the second issue comes out soon is that my right about that is that coming out oh uh, yeah it's uh this wednesday november 1st okay yeah, november 1st um and then uh yeah then issue three comes in december i'm guessing oh <laughs> uh, yeah december 20th uh yeah and if it's uh if you're like if your local comic store is like one of mine locally um it's going to be on the shelves with a white cover. <laughs> just, yes. just look where Grandma would be uh, in the uh, you know alphabetical listing, uh, and that's it. I swear. Um, it's almost like it's the, like a like a like a, not, a naughty magazine or a nudie magazine where it's like got it's, the cover it, on. It's like don't like don't look in here. Don't like you know don't look at this comic. <laughs> and honestly, it kind of uh, I didn't realize it was a mature comic when I was writing it. I, oh, really? I, I thought it was it was so fun and quirky that we could get away with a pg-13 but apparently there are some contents that uh band of bards <laughs> felt uh, it, uh okay. it deemed a mature rating um but the covers aren't mature they're uh they're yes. fine <laughs> they're fine yeah it's not there well i was um, talking to mike henderson about uh nailbiter and my was like the nailbiter number one cover has the nailbiter like, eating his fingers and like blood yeah. was spurting everywhere and they're like i don't know if we can use this comic cover like i think we're gonna have to go a different route and he was like working on a different cover and they finally said yeah we'll do it but nowadays, I'm like, you don't see covers like that nowadays. Like, it's like, it's one of those things that people are very, very, very LCS oriented in the sense that, like, yeah. they ought to make sure it looks good. Like, it looks good on the shelf, but also that it's not that kids can see it. And that's one of those right. things that was the whole I hate Fairyland, I hate this place battle back and forth, where it was supposed to be F this place with Kyle Starks. And they mm-hmm. ended up like, yeah, it's probably not going to go very well. And the, people won't be able to order it because of the fact that they don't want the swearing on the, on the cover. And so, yeah, so I can understand maybe some mature content on the inside, but on the outside, it might should probably be a little bit easier for people to oh, see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, it, I would say it's between PG-13 and R. And okay. certain, I would say issue two probably skews closer to R, but um, it's still, there's still this like fine line between it. Um, it If it was uh, drawn in a very, very realistic fashion, oh, by all means, it would be a yes. mature. Yes. But I think... Uh, and maybe it's just in my mind because Lane's work lends so much to this fun quirkiness that feels almost childlike in nature in the best of yes. ways. Um, maybe I was just uh, blinded by that. Maybe it's because it started out like as a, as a kid's cartoon and you're like... Uh... Probably. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen it from, uh, from, uh, from child to adult, yes. <laughs> I guess very literally. Well, that was the like I'm like I said I mentioned off the top. I was like I'm a big Scotty Young fan. That was like mm-hmm. his his volume two of I Hate Fairyland has like naked dude like post teenager years of of 
Gert and Gertrude, and she has like pubic hair and like arm hair. And I'm just like, wait, hold on a second. This is not the this is not the Gertrude I remember reading in <laughs> I Hate Fairyland number one, where she's like a small child being sucked into Fairyland. Now she's like this adult thing, and she was trying to like sleep with people. And I'm like, oh my god, what the heck just happened? <laughs> oh, I've read the first the first issue and maybe the second one. I don't I don't know if I've gotten that far yet. <laughs> but it's just like it's not like a big plot point. But I just say it's just one of those weird things. I have a Gertrude tattoo, and I oh, like wow. I'm like, hey. This is the baby. This is the girl. This is the innocent. And not really innocent because obviously she kills people. But like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But like, I was just thinking to myself, I, mean, I did not expect to like open up a page and be like, holy crap, what the heck did Scotty do? <laughs> but hey, you know what? Kids grow up. That's what happens. No. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. It's two different books that like kind of have two different groups, but also could be a crossover in this, which is pretty cool. Uh, and you're at two different publishers, which is also very good because I have a big proponent of like, loving to spread that love to different independent publishers because a they can they can promote your books at the same time and not feel like mm -hmm. they're over promoting dakota brown uh which is pretty cool too so that's that's it and like i said i've heard good things uh travis gibb over there says that band of bards is great too so um, oh, yeah. i'm glad you ended fantastic. up over at band of bards too that's, that's that's amazing as well so um but yeah that's pretty cool you're like now you're in the world man now you're in the comic book <laughs> industry like you're fully in it now like are you working on other stuff too i'm guessing I, I, obviously you can't talk about yeah it. yeah there's um there's some pitches that are out there um uh one that's like a, a young adult um fantasy uh pitch that kind of takes the um um you know the D, D cartoon from the 80s and kind of flips it on its head uh but it's, it's a bit of a hard sell because again uh when publishers are looking for um uh, young adult typically if they are looking they want a completed graphic novel um and it's it, it's just kind of difficult to do that independently before you know a contract is signed um but there are some other things in the works um that are more in line with like the uh, the vibe of toy maker um but hoping to get back eventually to the vibe of um grandma chili's where it's just kind of yeah. fun uh in theory i would like to just go back and forth between those two vibes because one's one's pretty heavy and one might be a bit too much fun so having that balance and that uh um that diverse catalog out there i think would be uh a, a lot of fun at least that's awesome that's awesome well i, I think you're doing great work I, i'm excited to see more more from you and, and you know you've got our you, you, you got our whole list uh, for any books that you've got coming out in the future. So I'm excited for that. And I'm obviously going to excited for you to come back on and pitch anything else to talk anything else you want on the podcast in the future. And I appreciate you taking time out of your day to do this one and talk to us about Death Comes with the Toymaker and Grandma Tilly's Hell Tech Mech. Again, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. And follow Dakota. You're on social media, so, so you can look up. It's pretty easy mm -hmm. to 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 uh, find you. Writer Dakota Brown on Instagram and Dakota on on the x on the twitter yeah, the the the, uh, the former twitters is a d u h c o a t u h writes um because i wanted to make it so easy on everybody yes exactly. um, uh, well, but i'm sure if you if you search dakota brown uh you'll, yes you you'll can. find me i'm sure that's what i'm always like am i talented like oh picture social media i'm like literally just google or just search the people yeah, yeah. like just search the person's name so. and it's gonna come up i promise i promise you and if it doesn't come up which means they don't have it it's fine move on you know whatever <laughs> but like yeah fair, you're yeah. pretty sure that you could find it or go to scout and look at the picture mm -hmm. of don't death comes with this way maker usually they tag you in it things like that so you can find them online uh and out there too but uh, again i really appreciate you taking the time out of the day to talk to us uh everybody grab the books when they're available check with your lcs so they can get them pre-ordered if they need to get pre-ordered and so on but uh yeah i appreciate it man yeah thanks so much